Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 146 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today I'm welcoming back Geraint Hole. He originally featured in episode 116. Geraint and I have been friends since he originally reached out to me in 2022. Here's a little bit about Geraint, but the show notes will have more about him and what has gone on through this episode. He said, I'm 57 and I'm husband to Louise, my rock and my sweetheart. I'm a dad to our two grown up kids and granddad, Grampy, to my daughter's four beautiful children. I work as an employment specialist for a mental health charity supporting people with serious long term mental health issues to find meaningful paid employment. So there is more that Geraint sent me for his bio. But I'm not going to read it out here because I think it will spoil the effect of the podcast. So so you can go to the show notes to read more about Geraint. But for the moment, let's go to the interview. Welcome back, Geraint, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us. Thank you. It's great to be back. Nice to chat again. Yeah. And especially pleased that you're here with me today <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I'm I'm very pleased to be around as well <laughs> yeah so for the listeners Geraint was on episode 116 and we just did his journey and all the normal podcasts that we normally do with the guests but Geraint and I um, are in contact I would say most days wouldn't you yeah with I think so backwards and forwards and we've yeah. been on walks I can't keep up with him he goes really slow for me um, and he carries pounds and pounds of weight on his back, which I don't. <laughs> um, but the reason I've invited him back is because on the 20th of January, I got this text which said, you're not going to believe where I am or what's happened, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, and some more exclamation marks. Had a heart attack in early hours and I'm in hospital having had stents fitted surreal with loads of emojis and I think both of us were absolutely shocked weren't we it was um to say a bolt out to the blue would be an understatement uh, uh you know yeah I, I think you know with the changes I've made to my my life my lifestyle um oh so, well since t- late 2020 it was unexpected. Um, you know, in my mid-50s, 
fitter than I've been for such a long time, healthier, living a much healthier lifestyle. And then, you know, to, to have, you know, this major heart attack out of the blue was, yeah, to say it knocked me off my feet, you know, physically, metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. A big shock. Yeah. And I, and I, and not everyone would be willing to come back on and um, talk to our listeners, but I, I was just so pleased that you said yes, because I think when we're on this lifestyle and you were really fit and healthy, um, like I just said, you know, carrying pounds and pounds of weight when we went on a hike, um, to this happening... I think we tend to think, right, we've changed our lifestyle and we're going to be fine. And and that's not the case for everyone. And I think no. it's important that the listeners hear this and understand it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I'm pretty sure that it was on like that day, you know, sort of it was it was all such a, you know, a, a roller coaster and so quick things happening. Um, so do you want me to tell you about, I'm happy to share what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. go into, cause I know you weren't feeling great in the weeks before. So share whatever you want and what you think will be good. Yeah. For um, so I guess a bit of background was I had a viral infection in December, which knocked me off my feet. Um, and I, it, it, I didn't feel even afterwards, I was definitely had some kind of like post viral, you know, sort of fatigue, um, wasn't feeling, didn't have that spark of energy that I had. And then just after Christmas, I'd started to get back to the stage where I was thinking, right, I'm, I'm going out for walks. Um, I'm starting training again. Um, and I, one, one night it was, I think it was just after the new year. And I woke up in the middle of the night with this pain in my chest being a typical bloke, I didn't connect heart attack, angina, that kind of, it was just a pain in my chest. And I was thinking to myself, is it, you know, the, the weight training that I'm doing, have I, have I aggravated, um, like a, a muscle in between my rib cage with the, like the heavy rucksack that I'm carrying when I go out walking sometimes, um, on the night of the heart attack, I immediately thought that pain in my chest just after Christmas was exactly the same as this, but yeah. it sort of eased off after about 10 minutes. Whereas the heart attack, um, it didn't ease off and it just gradually got worse and worse and worse. Um, so obviously there was something there with the virus, this angina or other mini heart attack. I don't know how you would describe it. At Christmas time, and then on the twentieth of January, I woke up three o'clock in the morning, excruciating pain in my chest. Um, eventually, I'm not sure. Like time, sort of time, just I don't know, just disappeared. And uh, my wife Louise woke up, and I said, "Look, I don't know what's going on. I've got this pain in my chest." Um, obviously, she's really concerned. Um, I didn't know what to do with myself. Then I started vomiting. At that point, she said, "All right, I'm ringing an ambulance. This is this is silly." And because I kept saying, "Look, this this is what happened at Christmas time. It'll pass. It'll be okay." Um, 
that didn't happen. I carried on vomiting. I was freezing cold, but I was sweating. So she rang the ambulance. Um, they said it was going to be like an hour or more, um, which is a bit crazy. Um, then I said to her, look, you're going to have to ring again because this is getting worse. I don't know what to do with myself. I I got her to get me an aspirin. I took an aspirin. Um, I was trying to think of my first aid training, put myself in, in the in the W position, sitting on my bed, trying to sort of relieve some pressure. It wasn't getting better. She rung, rung the ambulance service again. Um, and pretty quickly, the paramedics arrived. Um, so they, they hooked me up to the machines. Uh, yeah, you're definitely having a heart attack. Um, and he was in the main artery in my heart. So it was a, you know, a major heart attack. Um, and they, yeah, they rushed me into the cardiac unit in Basildon Hospital. Um, and by 6.30 in the morning, I'd I'd gone through the, um, the, the, I think they call it the cath lab. I'm not sure. I think that's what they call it. I'd gone and I'd, I'd had stent fitted. Um, I think they'd clear out part of a blockage in another artery. But they'd put a stent into the major arch, artery where the blockage was. Um, and I was lying in the cardiac unit all hooked up to machines by 6.30 in the morning. So it happened, all happened really, really quickly. Um, and, you know, I can't, I can only praise the service that I got, you know, sort of saved my life. Yeah, because sometimes the ambulances just don't turn up, do they? Like, you know, exactly. they're really under a lot of pressure at the moment. Yeah, and you hear some horror stories, that, oh, you know, over the last... Well, definitely over this Christmas period, you know, uh, probably the last 12 months, some horrendous waiting times, people waiting hours and hours, you know, for ambulances to turn up. Um, so luckily, Touchwood, you know, the ambulance arrived promptly. They dealt with me really promptly. They knew what they were doing. They are unbelievable with technology nowadays. They WhatsApped my, you know, the results of the um, ECG from the machine at home to the cardiologist at the hospital. So they had my readings before I got there. Um, and yeah, I was straight in. I, I wasn't, I didn't realize, I wasn't sure how they, how they did it. Um, but I've got a tiny little scar on my wrist where they, they insert the tube through the artery in your wrist yeah. into your heart. Um, that was a scary experience lying on that table, looking at the video of my heart beating. And then they moved the camera and the side where the heart attack had happened, that wasn't moving. So I'm thinking, oh my God, what, you know, what's going to be the damage to my heart after this has happened? Um, and then once they got the stent in, I, you know, the heart started working again then. But I was left with some serious um, damage to my heart. At that time, you know, I think it was later that day, the Friday, um, they came and did another uh, ECG and some other bits, um, ultrasound scan of my heart. And I was told that then that I had serious um, heart failure. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of uh, lying in that bed on my own, yeah. kind of soul searching, I suppose. And coming back to that, what you said earlier about my lifestyle and you know um what did all of this mean yeah and and i to be honest with you i i think 
I can't remember if we spoke about this on 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 my first chat with you on the podcast you know the the my exploration of like buddhism and stoicism and those kinds of things that i think really did kick in because i was thinking to myself there's no point in in wishing that i hadn't been obese there was no point in wishing that i hadn't um you know lived a lifestyle that was or not very healthy there was no point because i can't change any of that and this today friday january the 20th this is my new set of cards these are the cards that i've got to play with yeah. i've had a heart attack i've got heart failure what am i going to do with my life now I, you know it's it's the new it's a new dawn it's a new day and um you know obviously there were times when you know you, you naturally you feel a bit sorry for yourself yeah yeah but there was a large part of me was like well this is what we've got to deal with you know this is now day 1 yesterday was yesterday yeah um and i've got to make the best of what i've got i think it's only natural that we feel why me what why this yeah um but i think it's important to remember for all of us that are coming to this way of life late in life or later in life or midlife i sort of think 50s as midlife i'm hoping we'll get yeah. to 100 um is thinking all those years of what how i lived is going to impact going forward Absolutely. and we, we've all come from a different place with a different set of circumstances and different um symptoms and illnesses and and eaten differently but we've been following some of us have been following what we were told by the government and by the yep. public health and it's and it's done damage and it's taken its toll but we never know how those symptoms are going to play out going forward absolutely um you know in my family We've had heart issues, but mainly cancer has affected my family and taken most of my family by cancer. So I often think about what, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if I got a cancer diagnosis. I hope to God that I don't. But who knows? Who no. knows what what's going to happen? And I often sit and wonder, you know, what would I do and how would I feel? But like you say, you can't change anything. And after you you had probably only 50 years of damage i had 54 years of damage before i changed my lifestyle you know it's it's and this stuff for me has been going on all my life because that's how my family ate you know yeah. we didn't eat very well we did yeah. eat real, we ate real food but loads of stuff going on so yeah i'm you know you i mean the the I think one of the nurses um, at the hospital while I was having the operation had said to said to my wife, you know, this is this this would have been decades, a decade, decades in the making. Yeah. You know, heart disease um, can start at quite a young age. You know, those little bits of damage to the arteries, um, you know, can are caused by lots of different factors um, and can start young. And I, I looked at my look back and and thought to myself, you know, all those, you know, the 
the decade or not decades sorry the years of of heavy drinking the mental health the stress the anxiety poor food choices poor lifestyle just in general you know sort of um there's been periods in my life where where i've been you know really super physically active but probably since about 2010 2012 very little physical activity so all of them things you know you if you've got uh you know a propensity there's a you know the epigenetics genetics and susceptibilities to you know heart disease then i probably have those and, and the lifestyle choices ultimately are the cause of of me having a heart attack mm. um I, th- I, w- I think what i would say is that me choosing to follow uh, a more ancestrally appropriate ketogenic diet and becoming physically active i think probably saved my life yeah because if this heart attack had happened to me back in 2020 when i was you know 19 and a half 20 stone physically unhealthy really unfit i think um i probably wouldn't be here talking to you now yeah I think I think you're probably right. Not that you we know, know, but I think you're no, probably... no, exactly. Um, we we don't, but you know, you all of the physical training that I've done, all all of the stamina that I've built up, my my heart, it, you know, must have been in in <laughs> apart from the blockage, would have been in good shape. Yeah, you know, through all of the, all of that activity and exercise that I've done, and feeding it better stuff. Yeah. You know, not feeding it seed seed oils and processed grains and sugar and and packaged foods and all of that kind of stuff. You know, that's all gone out of my diet over the last two and a half years. Yeah, and and I yeah I agree that it 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 probably saved your life. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I know we've spoken about this, and I know you're okay with me asking you. But I also know that, you know, we we're hearing a lot nowadays about people having sudden cardiac arrest, myocarditis and all things that we believe possibly is linked to the covid vaccination. So do you mind telling people your, you know, if you've had the vaccination or not? Yeah, I chose not to. Um so yeah, I know a lot of people would would think, you know, or you know, has this happened because of, you know, he's been vaccinated? Uh, no, I decided not to. Yeah, that's. A, I think I think it's a personal choice. I'm I'm a firm believer in freedom of choice, yeah. informed consent, and on the balance of everything that I'd seen and I'd read. Late in, like before the vaccination program started, I I decided even before it was rolled out that I that I wouldn't. Yeah. Um. And the further we got into it, my mindset. So going back a little bit, so like in October 2020, the, this journey for me started when I decided that I wasn't going to rely on anybody else to look after my health, but myself. I took responsibility for myself, for my health. I decided 
from now on, I'm going to decide what I put into my body. And I'm going to research what I eat, what I drink and what I put into my body. Um, and it's funny being in the, the keto world, this sort of almost like alternative lifestyle. You're exposed to to, you know, researchers, academics, doctors, medical professionals who sit outside of the normal, <laughs> whatever normal is. So I started to hear things about some of the um, what was in vaccines and vaccines in general, not just this one. And I and I thought I'm not keen on on any of this. Mm. And at the start, it was you know I don't particularly you know want to go down this rabbit hole of the vaccine, but to, it it was it was protecting the elderly, and I could I could see that if he was if he was going to do what it said on the tin. Um, and then when it started coming to rolling out to everybody, I was like, well, look at the data. It's not really affecting people under the age of, yes, there are people who have died and people who become ill who are under the age of, you know, 75, 80, but the majority of people who are becoming really, really ill and really unwell with this are old people. Yeah. And although I was in my mid fifties, I wouldn't class myself as being old. <laughs> no, we don't um, want to, do we? <laughs> no. So yeah, that's. Um... Yeah, I just I think you know because for me, I I remember up until the twentieth of January, if somebody had said to me they had a heart attack, immediately I would have in my head said, he or she is vaccinated. That'd be a question, yeah. But because I knew, you know. We we've spoken about this in the past anyway because I knew you weren't. Um, I just went, oh, I need to change my thinking around this. Yeah. So I'm sure that there will be listeners listening. So I just wanted to, you know, you you yeah, said yeah. happy to talk about that, and so I just wanted to cover it. So going back to after the 20th of January, tell us a little bit about what happened in the hospital in terms of drugs and how you felt about that and all those things that you went through quite a yeah tumultuous time so as i mentioned i i'm i've become more and more um you know sort of concerned about what it is i'm what you know what substances i'm i'm gonna put into my body um I'd already I'd read I'd already read um, some work and by Malcolm Kendrick in relation to, you know, cholesterol. I think when when you when you get into ketogenic diet, this sort of like low carb lifestyle, I think naturally you tend to hear stuff um, in relation to cholesterol, heart disease. Because it's such a, you know, saturated fat and cholesterol is so demonized by the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So that when you listen to podcasts or you look at videos on YouTube, read books around the ketogenic lifestyle, that topic always, always crops up. Yeah. So I'd done a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of listening to podcasts, watching videos. And I knew that. I was convinced that cholesterol was not, a, you know, the only factor, if a factor at all, and wasn't problem 
symptomatic in relation to heart disease. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, the the first time you see the doctors, well, the first time I saw the doctors, they all came around, you know, I don't know, a handful of doctors doing their ward rounds, coming to see how you're doing. And they wanted to give me just, a, you know, two handfuls of drugs, uh, cholesterol busting uh, statins being the number one. <laughs> um, and I said, no, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, I told them that I was following a low carb ketogenic diet and that I was really well versed. And I'm not sort of undermining what they, you know, they are professionals, they are doctors, but it's like, what, what are they taught, you know? Um, and I'm not undermining their, you know, their professionalism, their care, because clearly they, they, they saved my life, you know, but at the same time, there, there's other information out there. And when you have people like who are, who are, lifelong NHS doctors like Malcolm Kendrick, clearly a very, very caring, very compassionate, professional person. And he spent his lifetime, his professional lifetime researching heart disease. And he's saying cholesterol is, I mean, there was a book of his, wasn't it? The Great Cholesterol Con, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Or somebody like um, Asim Malhotra, who was a interventional cardiologist and somebody who is going, looking at the at the data in relation to Big Pharma and saying, this isn't, you know, there's some cons going on in relation to the information that's being provided about the benefit of these drugs. Mm-hmm. So I said, no, thank you very much to statins. Um, there was loads of other drugs they wanted to give me. Um, there was an ACE inhibitor, which interferes with processes in the body that I wasn't keen on having interfered with. Um, there was a, a diabetic drug that, again, was something to do with like kidneys and water function. And it, it must have been really difficult to um, make that decision to say no to some of those drugs. It was. I it was. imagine you were under a lot of pressure to take them. Well, I know you were under a lot of pressure to take. And yeah, I mean, after about three days, I spoke to one of the nurses in charge of the ward. And I said, look, please, can you put it on my notes? I I want you all to stop pressuring me because it feels like even the cleaner is saying to me, why aren't you taking these drugs? They'll save your life. I said, I'm having people who are clearly not qualified to talk to me about medication, asking me and pressuring me to take medication. And I don't want you to do that. I'm, you're telling me to, that I need to be stress-free and relaxed. And, and you're the ones putting pressure on me. You're the ones pressuring me and putting me under stress to do something I don't want to do. I've told you, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being polite. I'm, I'm explaining to you why I don't want to take the drugs um, and that I believe that the lifestyle I'm, I'm leading will be helpful for me. But you're not listening to that. You're constantly pressuring me and I want that to stop. And thankfully they did. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of pressure to take med- the medications. I could understand, you know, the uh, to take the aspirin. 
you know, they, uh, the clot had caused the, there was a clot that had caused the heart attack. So having a, taken a medication that would, that would um, make your blood less sticky and less liable to clot, I could understand that. And there was another blood thinner, which they said would stop any clots sticking to the stent. Mm -hmm. I could, I could understand that. Um, and the beta blocker, I could understand the reasoning to take that because it would help sort of almost calm the heart for the heart to not go into atrial fibrillation, which is this sort of disordered beating mm -hmm. um, because of the, the damage to the heart, like the, the electrical signals of the heart would have been affected by the, the issue with the muscle. Um, so I could understand those ones, but, you know, it was like this diabetic medication. We wanted you to take this because it um, allows your body to excrete salt. And, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm on a low carbohydrate diet. My insulin levels are low. I know that low insulin levels mean that the aldosterone levels in your body and the, and the kidneys control of the, its ability to release salts is better than if I was having a normal high carbohydrate diet it's 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 that sort of mechanism that allows your body to regulate the sh uh, the salt levels the sodium levels and they you know yeah <laughs> as you can imagine they the, i think they are under pressure from the probably from the management because like oh we can have to record like that you've told us you don't want these so they're obviously under pressure to push these things too yeah yeah and and that was very hard and i can i can clearly remember being really you know bearing in mind that i've you know suffered with anxiety you know since my mum died 1998 i've i've suffered with anxiety since that time um i've got good control of it management of it but that certainly was was definitely causing some little flare ups with that while i was in hospital you know, that sort of panicky, starting to feel a bit short of breath. So, yeah, that was good once once they stopped nagging me <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, to go on these drugs. Of, there's a lot of pressure. And the thing is, you know, like you said, they're the professionals and, and we believe that they should know and we're not. But at the same time, we know what we know. Yeah. And... And there's this um, sort of clashing of thoughts and and you start to doubt yourself, you know, do yeah. I know? Do I know enough? Yeah. Are they maybe right? Yeah. Um, and and so you you start to to go down that route of, well, they might be right and they might be wrong. And I think we can, you know, there's probably other times in our lives when we've refused something like that. I, I remember um when my son Ben he would get these like um breathing difficulties and I'd take him to the hospital when he was quite small and they wanted to give him steroids and I was like I don't want him to have that I want to go down the homeopathic route and I don't want him to have that but there was this constant in my body am I doing the right thing or am I doing the wrong thing I don't know but you yeah. I think at the end of the day you have to trust what you feel is right yeah i mean i i want to i want to thank you for your introduction uh to tony royal yeah and if, when i came out of hospital i eventually got to 
to speak to Tony. I'd, I'd listened to the podcast you did with him, which I found fascinating. Then I watched, I think it was a talk he gave at the uh, Public Health Collaboration. Yeah. And we ended up speaking for, God, I don't know. <laughs> it felt like, I think it was all like an hour, two hours. We were, we were talking for a long time. Because I think we, we were very similar in terms of our sort of like immer- we've immersed ourselves so much into the low carb ketogenic world. So we were we were on the same page. Mm. And to listen to, you know, have somebody like Tony, who's such a well-educated man, you know, sort of talking to me about his own experience, particularly with um, prescribed medications yeah. that it, that it vindicated my decision not to take the drugs. Because I thought, yeah, he's right. You, you've just got to do what you think is right for you. And, you know, if, say, for example, I decided to take the statins. And every day I took that statin and felt stress and pressure and a bit of anxiety because I'm taking the medication because I'm worried about it, but I'm still taking it. That stress and anxiety is causing problems in and of itself. Yes. And I think it's Asima Holtra that said, and I, I might be wrong, but that stress is a bigger problem around heart disease than anything else. So if you're creating yeah. more stress with, with whether it's how you feel or situations yep. that you're in, that's a bigger problem. Yeah. And I just I just want to caveat here for the listeners is we are not advocating that people don't take drugs. We're just Absolutely. giving our own opinions of yeah, you know, you're giving your opinion about how you felt about the drugs, and I've given my opinion about what I feel about drugs. Yeah, but just for I, the listeners, that that is not, you know, it's Geraint just said it that it's you have to do what you think is right for you. Yeah, do your own research. You know, make the decision for yourself. If you know, if if say somebody was listening who's had a heart attack, you know. Uh, <laughs> You've got to you've got to look at what what's right for you and talk to your medical professional about what's going on with you and what you want to do. Yeah. Ask them the questions, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Like I, when I was in the hospital, I said, "Well, you know, when when they were wanted to give me this drug called an ACE inhibitor, I said, well, you know, you're talking, you're telling me that it's going to make me live longer. How long?" I said, because I know for a fact that the statistics on statins say that it's going to make you live longer. But actually, the statistics say that if you've had a heart attack, it's going to give you an extra four days of life over five years. And is that worth the side effects, the potential side effects? Is it it worth taking that drug for an extra four? Potentially, there's no guarantee that you Mm -hmm. will get that four days. So is is that risk worth it? and the same with the Ramapril and like they brought me a, a randomized control study to read. And to me, it made no sense. Not that it didn't make sense because I didn't understand it. But again, the, the, like the length of life that he was talking about wasn't huge. Like if they'd said taking this drug is going to give you 10 years of life. You might think about it. You'd think about it. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> but it isn't. And, you know, speaking to Tony, you know, he was very clear that a lot of um, the benefits of, of different medications 
we're mathematical, statistical. It's not the real world. It's not looking at like somebody like me and monitoring me over the rest of my life to see how long I live. Mm. And who knows, you know, who knows how long that would be in any given situation anyway. Yeah, exactly. So you can't, how, how do you measure that when you don't know how long? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really good uh, to speak to him. I read, um, I think I'd already started, but I read Malcolm Kendrick's newest book, The Clock mm -hmm. Thickens. Yeah. And I love Malcolm. I love his books because he, he writes exactly the same as when you listen to him speaking. <laughs> He's got that really dry Scottish sense of humor and he's yeah so sarcastic in some of the things I just love reading his books it's so I mean as a lay person it's so easy to read this book he makes it so understandable and coming back to what you said he in that book they were because there was a, a chapter I believe if I remember rightly about mental health and the effect of mental health on heart disease mm. and it's massive wow. and I was thinking okay so you know the the last 10 years for me you know sort of eight to 10 years from 2010 through to 2020 were a car crash in terms of my mental health um you know a lot of stress a lot of anxiety deep depression and all of that impacts on on heart disease you know um basically the, the his hypothesis is that heart disease is caused by damage to the lining of the arteries yes and things that cause damage to the uh to the lining of the arteries are multifactorial stress high cortisone levels mental health all impact and and do have an impact on that and i thought well that's a huge thing for you know for me you know i was so stressed my terrible sleep um just that constant sort of like general anxiety um and all of those would have had a massive impact on on the heart of my heart uh, sorry the health of my heart sorry mm. you know it's it's pretty scary really you know we're all led to believe that the only cause of heart disease is you know probably smoking and saturated fat and isn't the case at all no i mean i'm sure smoking smoking yeah for sure damage yeah. yeah probably does do some damage but we we don't even know if that's worse than the than the mental health and the stress yeah i think he was uh he and i and i've read before in one of his pieces he talked about um you know the societal stress um, and when they looked, they did, um, I think, I can't remember who did the study, but they looked at a Scandinavian country and they compared it with, I believe it was Lithuania at the time that the um, USSR was breaking up and the fall of the Berlin Wall and all of that sort of stuff. And the impact on males having heart attacks, heart disease in Lithuania compared to a very comparative country in Scandinavia was unbelievable due to the societal stress of you know the the economy what was happening 
you know, everybody was worried about the future because the USSR was breaking up and they were part in Lithuania. They were part of that. Um, and he cites lots of different studies around the world um, where, you know, stresses are, you know, and he talks about uh, diseases like bipolar and schizophrenia and, and the risk of heart disease with those mental illnesses is massive. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily, well, I say luckily, I didn't, I, you know, they are, I mean, I did suffer with, you know, generalized anxiety and, and depression for a long period, but it wasn't, you know, as, you know, something like schizophrenia is a very serious debilitating yeah. disease. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly anxiety and that elevated fight or flight response is pushing up your cortisol levels all of the time. And that is damaging to your body. Yeah. Because cortisol, we, we should have it in spikes, you know. Yes. I was related ancestrally, you know, we would have been chasing after an animal or an animal yep. would have been chasing us. It would have been short and sharp. And then we would have got back to the cave and we would have rested and everything yep. would have gone back down. Whereas in today's life, we are on, it's a constant, constant battle of um, just life and work and social media and tv coverage and yeah. everything that goes on and constantly on the go 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 and yep. lack of sleep and short hours short hours of sleep and all these things are impacting our stress on yeah. every day i mean unless, even just yeah sorry go on i was just going to say unless we actively take control to reduce that stress it we're just in a state of constant elevated cortisol most of the yeah time. yeah uh, uh you know uh, you think back you know through the pandemic um you know the, the the constant fear and anxiety that was created by you know you know the death the, the case numbers the death numbers and all of that kind of stuff you know people what is you know what damage is as that fear created yeah. like a time bomb of heart disease yeah just through the stress and the anxiety um i mean even now you know i, I don't watch the news anymore I, I stopped watching mainstream media back in 2020 for that reason really i i just thought i think it might have been like a stoic kind of like one of the stoic philosophies of the dichotomy of control don't worry about what you can't control basically yeah you know if it comes knocking on your door then worry about it if yeah. it's not knocking on your door then crack on with your life because it is nothing you can do about it and you think of people sitting watching the news 24 hours a day the stress and the anxiety that causes worrying about things that you can't do anything about yeah and you know that's not good for you yeah. And in a recent podcast, and I know you've listened to it with um, Ali Houston and Dr. Rachel Brown. Yeah. Dr. Rachel was saying how the lockdown, the measures that were put in place has massively increased mental health issues. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to someone the other day that who said, you know, she, she was living in a studio with her young son Um and she just took to drinking. She drank loads of alcohol and put on loads of weight and yep. was really depressed and anxious and all these things. And, you know, she couldn't even get out. And she could, and the, the boy's father was not 
you know, was locking himself away so wouldn't even. So yeah. she was with her son 24 seven. Yeah. This impacted her massively. Yeah. But we, all these things will start to come out as time yeah. goes by, but yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to tell the listeners about your journey over the last? So the good news is, <laughs> um, so I carried on with the keto lifestyle. I, in fact, I probably became a little bit stricter uh, with really low carb, very, you know, keto and probably dipping in and out of carnivore a lot of days, not eating any carbohydrates at all. And I've actually, uh, in line with with uh, with with your thirty day carnivore challenge, I've started on Monday as well. So <laughs> excellent. Um, and Louise? Oh no, 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 definitely not Louise. No, <laughs> no, she likes her salads, and uh, she likes the salads I make and the veggies I make. Her favorite at the moment, at the moment, which is a real treat, is uh, I do um, like a okay. braised peas and chorizo red onion little side dish so she's she loves that That's and your egg, egg custard my my egg custard is now that's a like that's now a permanent feature every weekend so that's uh i'm gonna have local, to come around and have some oh it's just to die uh, even if i do say so myself it's to die for <laughs> yeah Can you make me a carnival one yeah i actually saw uh car- that's actually where i got the idea was on um can't remember whose newsletter. It was one of the uh, people in the carnival world, Primal something or other, I think it's called. And he was on her newsletter, the carnivore egg baked egg custard. And it's basically just eggs, double cream. I can't remember. She, I, I can't imagine she would have put vanilla in it. Um, but yeah, that was a baked egg custard. Yeah, I'm going to have to get the recipe from you. Um. And, but you can make me some as well. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my I, I carried on. I, I wasn't perturbed from my lifestyle, I th- you know. Um, so, yeah, my heart function wasn't good. Um, I struggled to walk more than sort of 10 minutes in the weeks after the heart attack. But I was determined um, I needed to, to do what I could. Yeah. And it should be said that uh, many years ago, when I was a personal trainer, I'd actually trained to do uh, cardiac rehab. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I did my training at Addenbrooke's Hospital and I could do phase four cardiac rehab training. So I'd, I did have a lot of knowledge and I dug out some books and reread stuff. So I knew that uh Cardiovascular training, aerobic training is really important for for heart failure. So I set myself challenges, walk up and down the stairs at home as many times as I could, gradually increase that every day, go out for walks every day, carry on eating really good food, um, mainly animal products, lots of lots of minced beef, eggs. Um, I do like my double cream in my coffee in the morning, which I'm trying to stop (laughs) Um, but that's my treat Um, I should also say that since the 20th of January not a drop of alcohol has dropped my has passed my lips so I'm teetotal well done done. 
um, I kind of thought to myself, do you know what? My body's got enough to be getting on with without dealing with this toxin. Yeah. And I thought if I'm going to have to take these medications, my liver's also going to be dealing with those because they are toxic to some degree or another. So, yeah, and I think that's helped um, with my recovery. Um, I did have a um, a consultation with Asim Malhotra, and he said to me, if you can try and go alcohol free for at least three months, because alcohol does damage the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've taken that and I've thought, well, I've not felt like drinking. I've not had any urges to, and now it's, you know, four months, four, nearly four and a half months down the line. Um, and I'm not missing it. And my bank balance is a lot healthier <laughs> as am I. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've carried on my, my training and um, I had a follow-up ultrasound on my heart and my heart function is back to normal. I have no longer have heart failure, which I'm not sure how I do- uh, dodged that bullet because um, I thought I was I was going to have heart failure then for the rest of my life. But I've got a little bit of damage, a little bit of scar tissue to my heart, but I am not in heart failure any longer, um, which is just remarkable. And I think that's not drinking alcohol, really sort of taking the exercise seriously, eating good food. Um, the other thing which I started was, um, so as I, as I said to you before, and, and obviously, you know, I practice meditation. Yeah. So I think the relaxation is, is, is helpful, but I've also started um, doing breath work. Um, so I looked into um, the types of breathing exercises you can do to increase nitric oxide, which yeah. is a vas- vasodilator helps, you know, helps your um, arteries to relax. Um, so I think all of those things probably are a, a combination of me now being here talking to you today back to the last two weekends. I've I've managed to walk half marathons on the Saturday on each of the last two weekends um, and feeling really good doing those uh, doing those walks fasted. Um, any you know, are you Have you gone back to carrying any weight on your back? Yeah, um, I haven't gone up as heavy as I was before. And so prior to the heart attack, I was up to once a week, I would do a really hard training walk where I'd I'd carry a 35 pound rucksack. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I did one the other day with about 20, 25 pounds. I'm just being sensible and, you know, taking my time, gradually increasing the effort of what I'm doing. Um, because it's only been four months since my heart attack, uh, yeah. and I don't want to sort of <laughs> give her an excuse to have another shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I'm feeling, and thankfully, uh, the other, because I'm not in heart failure, I could stop taking the beta blockers. And since I've stopped taking the beta blockers, um, I have I feel like my old self again. And the cardiac nurse had said to me, you know, it'll take a little while for them to get out of your system but that's, you know, because I was like fatigued, I was really sleepy all the time, struggled to get up in the mornings. Um, but since I've stopped the beta blockers a few weeks back, I'm back to feeling like I've got a, a, a real spark and zest for life again. 
yeah yeah and I know you're back to work so yeah I went back to work um I think it was about six weeks after the heart it's four to six weeks yeah it was around about that but work I have to say my my work my manager my you know the the boss of the charity were all super supportive um couldn't have been more helpful really yeah yeah and they yeah. phased you in didn't they yeah 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 they were they were very concerned um and were like you know if you've if you're not feeling like working today that's okay just log on and do what you can and just chill out um no they were they were brilliant really really good excellent so is there anything else you want to mention before we finish um, before i ask you for your three top tips actually i've actually prepared my three top tips <laughs> last time i i sort of forgot to do that and i sort of uh tried to wing it on the sp spur of the moment but <laughs> i put a little bit more thought into it today good anything else though that um you feel i should have asked you or you would like to tell people no i don't think so um i mean i i would say if you if you have heart, had a heart attack or heart failure and you want to go you know for you know some alternative information some really good resources i would highly recommend malcolm kendrick's book the clot thickens yeah and also um asim malhotra's book a statin free life yeah Definitely. um really good reads yeah very informative and the thing i liked about them was uh, well both books really but um like with malcolm's book you know take this vitamin or this supplement or do this or do that yeah you know so real things that you can do that that will help yeah and and i always recommend malcolm the other book of malcolm's the great cholesterol con for people yep. who have been told that they've got high cholesterol yep um and that it's not a reason to go and jump into medication go and get his book yeah, yeah. and then you know make a informed decision i think that's the key is informed decision you know do your research and don't be afraid to question you know your doctor or your specialist yeah you know they're human beings yeah. they're no different to us if you've got some knowledge and you've got that from an academic, a research paper, another doctor, don't be afraid to challenge them. And be but just be polite and respectful when you do that. You know, it's it's a it's a exchange of inf information. Yeah. And I remember Asim said, um, you know, to look up the numbers needed to treat. Yes. And I'll include that link in in the show notes. Yeah, there's a website you can do, uh, go to for that. Yeah, I think it's bnnt.com yeah. or .org. Anyway, yeah, I think, yes. Show notes. Yeah. 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 So if people want to listen to Geraint's first episode, that was 116. And if they want to listen to Asim Mahaltra, Dr. Asim Mahaltra, it's episode 100. And Tony Royal was 101 episode 101 and I guess another one we could mention which I know and I know you've spoken to um, Mark Felstead yeah yeah Mark is a lovely guy he's a, such a such a 
nice human being. <laughs> um, I reached out to him um, just after I'd had my heart attack and he emailed me back like the next day and I think he was free. So we ended up doing a Zoom call that morning. Yeah. Amazing story. Yeah, that's episode 79. Yeah. Yeah. And again, him and his organization, We Love Our Hearts, um, you know, he's really trying to sort of, I think it's Ben Azadi um, on Keto Camp. He talks about pain to purpose. And I think when when something happens to you that you can then use the a negative experience, but turn that energy into a positive life goal, I think that's so important. Yeah. And I'm sure that you just coming on and sharing your story with all of our listeners, I'm sure that will have a positive impact on, if not one person, but maybe more, who knows, but I'm sure that it would definitely impact somebody throughout the world. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Um, you know, I think that word hope is such a powerful word mm. and never, you know, never give up. Yeah. So we're on to your top tips, your prepared <laughs> top tips. My top tips. Da, 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 da. <laughs> drum roll, drum. Uh, well, uh, they're probably going to be really disappointing now, but um, I would say, so these probably, although these are probably more about the, the, the low-carb keto lifestyle. Okay. In So number one would be know why. Know your why. Yeah. Uh, why are you going into this lifestyle? What is it you're unhappy with that is that is you know? What are you trying to change? Why are you trying trying to change? Because that is such a motivator, you know. And and even for me now, I'm almost three years low carb lifestyle. If I, it doesn't happen that often now. But if say for example, I was I was. Oh, you know, you you have that smell of toast cooking and all of a sudden in your mind, you've got this hot piece of toast with melted butter and jam on it. And I just think to myself, oh, that would be, yeah, that'd be really nice. Or what about that slippery slope back to being five, five and a half stone heavier than you are now and being that person who was so unhappy? Is it worth it? Yeah. And for me, the answer is always no. Yeah. No, it's not. I'd rather make more healthy choices. Yeah. More I, I, I think why is so, so important. Yeah. When I'm working with clients, that's the first thing we do is why are you doing this? Yeah. And not just to lose weight because weight loss, anyone can lose weight. Yeah. But it's, it has to be deeper than that. It has to go really into the core of of your being as to why you, yeah. why you want to do it. And it has to be something that will sustain you through those moments of yes. hot toast. Cause I smell hot toast every single day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but it, it's really got to, it's really got to resonate with you as to yeah. why you're doing this. So I, I, totally and I, th I mean, I, I'm, you know, in, in my day to day job, I'm, I'm an employment coach. I help people with long-term mental health problems to find employment and I will use that with them. You know, why do you want to work? And, you know, those sort of deep seated uh, beliefs and sort of values. 
as you know, somebody might say to me, I want to, I want some independence. I want to, I want to get off benefits and I want to do my, you know, I want to look after myself and, and have some self-respect and all of, they are such deep seated values that like, if you can tap into those, they keep you on the straight and narrow. Yeah, definitely. Okay. That's number one. Number two. Plan and prepare. So um, I am a typical, um, which may be obvious to some people who are listening to think, yeah, he's got anxiety. Yeah, he's probably a type A personality. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, perfectionist. Um, I, I plan my meals two or three weeks in advance. Um, I, I just do it on the notes on my phone. And, you know, when I've got a spare 10 minutes, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll plan my the week for three or four weeks time. And then when I come to do my shopping online, I look at what that meal plan is and I only buy for me and my wife what we need for that week. Yeah. Um, so that we haven't got that temptation in the house of things, um, you know, that, that could sort of draw you away from this lifestyle. Um, so that's the planning and the preparing is, you know, when you go to work, take your food with you. You know, if you can get up an extra 15 minutes earlier, prepare your lunch, take it with you. And that doesn't have to be cold lunch. You know, you, you know, some mornings, so I'm, I do a lot of cooking. I'll make my own bone broth. Some days I might take, you know, I'll heat up some bone broth, cook some beef, make some mince ball, uh, minced beef meatballs, put them in some hot broth, stick them in a flask. And you've got your lunch or, you know, cook some scrambled eggs, bit of cheese, you know, some mackerel, whatever it is that you enjoy, take it with you. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing I was thinking when I was thinking about that was if you if you get stuck and caught on the hop and you've got to go to a supermarket, just buy some cold meat and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear at the PHC conference last weekend? um the food was not suitable. oh yeah you said to me about that yeah it's not yeah. suitable for low carb keto and carnivore there just wasn't anything so we ended up buying some mince meat cold mince meat and some cheese slices and wrapping the cold mince meat in the cheese slices that's dedication to the cause jackie <laughs> <laughs> yeah but actually i hadn't thought of it and it was my friend heidi that suggested it and um and I and I thought, ah, oh, that that will definitely stay as a as a possible lunch because yeah. I won't use a microwave, so my lunch is invariably cold. But I've yeah. got used to eating cold meat, cold steak. Um, I think sardine. If you, I don't like sardines particularly, but I will eat them because they've got that tin opener tin. Yeah, yeah. That's an easy on the go. And yeah, yeah. Hard boiled eggs are a go to for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to sort of mix up because I was thinking like what like I've been tending to have something like some kind of minced beef kind of thing for lunch. And so I'm going to vary it up a little bit. I'm sort of like one day minced beef, another day eggs and just vary it. So, you you know, you've got some variety while I'm doing this uh, carnival challenge. So I'm yeah. supporting you, but I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cold burgers I've had as well the other yeah, day. I yeah. made made some for supper and there was some left over. So I just had cold burgers. Chicken wings. Chicken wings are so cheap. Oh, yeah. Stick them in the oven, crisp them up, even cold. They're really good. Yeah. yeah. 
My final one. Yeah, go for it. Get outside. Yeah. Go out in the sunshine, be in nature, be present, listen to what, like the birds singing, look for animals, you know, look at the colors and the smells. And I think just being in nature is, is ingrained in us as human beings. We've evolved to be in nature and sitting in our little boxes, like, you know, Richard Smith talks about, doesn't he, you know, is, is uh, one box to another that really resonated. And, and for me, I love being outside. I, I think that's part of my overall recovery from the mental health, you know, sort of since 2020, but certainly like with my heart attack, going out and walking and, and just having that period of being outside in the fresh air, the sunshine, being in nature, um, you know, ancestrally, I can't remember who said it. They were, um, I think it might have been Bitten Johnson, actually. I was listening to a podcast with her the other day, and she said she likes to um, prescribe LSD. <laughs> and it's a, it's a long stroll. I can't remember what the D stood for, but basically. Daylight, it's going, maybe. In daylight, day- yeah, maybe. Yeah. But she's she's saying like human beings, we are designed to go and amble and stroll and yeah. just walk for miles and miles and miles. And it's so good. She's obviously talking about it in the context of recovery from um, addiction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that resonated with me. And I thought, God, that, uh, you know, that's been such a key part of my, no pun intended, but my journey over the, over the last two and a half years, you know, and now I'm I'm back to I'm you know I walk about fifty fifty miles a week I think yeah um and I love it it's you know you've got to find I think find something you enjoy and if you can do that outdoors do it outdoors in the sunshine because the sun's good for you <laughs> yes I used to when I first started doing exercise which is only on this journey in the last five years. I used to start, I used to run in, when I was running or walking, I used to do it inside on the treadmill. But at some point I just said, no, I'm doing it outside. And I would do it where I live. There's no pavements or anything. So I'd just walk up and down the drive, but I'd do it come rain or shine, just yeah. be outside. Um, I must admit, I haven't been very good recently, so I need to do more. Yeah, I mean, I'd, there was um this was a, a few weeks back it was sort of towards the end of of winter so after my heart attack and i'd gone for a walk um in the forest in between um northweald and coopersale and i was walking through the forest and it was actually snowing and as i turned back from coopersale was walking back home and I just stood and thought, you know, even though I'm freezing cold and it's belting down with snow, I've got so much to be appreciative of. Yeah. I've survived a heart attack. I'm I'm standing here in this like the, in the middle of nowhere. This snow beating against my face is freezing cold. This could this could be the last time I ever feel that. And that is that stoic thing of like appreciate what you've got. Um, and appreciate where you are and you know there's there's beauty and goodness to be felt in different different places different situations yeah thank you so much for coming on my pleasure jackie
my pleasure. Yeah. And um, I, I hadn't sort of planned to say this, but I want to thank you for your help and support throughout this time as well. It's really been appreciated by me and Louise. Thank you. We've spoken to people over the years who have changed their way of eating, changed their way of lifestyle, and then have developed a disease of some sort. So Audrey Boyle, which I think is episode four, um, developed Parkinson's. Kathy Watson, who I interviewed recently, developed cancer. So whilst we're eating healthily, we're not invincible. You can't just change your way of eating now and expect that you're going to be healthy for the rest of your life. We cannot ignore the fact that we abused our bodies for the years that we did. Now, for some of us, it was longer than others. And for some of us, it was more intense than others. But we've all abused our body in one way, shape or form, and it will take its toll. Plus, we need to remember that there are environmental factors that will be influencing our health and well-being. And a lot of that is out of our control. So the best we can do is maintain our healthy eating so that our body can detox much of these um, toxins that we encounter through the air that we breathe, the environment, the spraying of crops, you know, and if you live in the country, you're going to be around. I, we have fields around us. So when they're spraying those crops, I'm going to be inhaling some of that, even though I don't want to be. So all these things are going to take their toll. So don't change your way of life and think that you're invincible. Ger you know, Geraint did mention it, this, that um, you stay, you, you are setting up your body to be the healthiest that it can be. And so the best we can hope for is that if we develop one of these diseases, that we can deal with it better. And Geraint is convinced that he survived because of the lifestyle changes that he made through diet, getting out and doing exercise, through his meditation, through his stoicism. All of that has impacted how he is now so that he thinks if he would have been how he was more than three years ago, he might not have survived. And, you know, all credit to him that he's continuing this way of eating it didn't make him scared. It made him more determined. And it also affected me um, because we're quite close. We, as I, we mentioned, we message most days. Um, we will go out for walks together, not very often because I don't have a lot of time and I'd love to do some more walking. But what it did is over the last couple of years, if you will have heard me mention that when I go on holiday, I come off plan. When it's Christmas, I come off plan and all those things. And it's only a couple of weeks a year, but I am doing it. I am eating wheat. I don't eat seed oils so much, but I do eat some ultra processed foods when I'm off plan. So what it did for me was made me more aware about my health and coming off plan less. So when I was away in March, I did come off plan, but it was really, it would have been a challenge to stay keto in that environment, but I still ate well. Um, but when I was away last weekend, I stuck to carnivore and other than some wine, I stuck to my way of eating. 
also to mention that Geraint sent me the link to the website that has the egg custard uh, website. So the link to that website is in the show notes. And since talking to Geraint, I have purchased the audiobook A Clock Thickens by Malcolm Kendrick. I've read The Great Cholesterol Con, or I listened to it. I've listened to A Statin-Free Life. I recommend both of those to my clients. Um, but now I've got I, I've still got another book that's on the go. But when that's finished, I'm going to listen to A Clock Thickens. And I also mentioned about the PhD conference and how Heidi and I bought some cheese slices and some mincemeat and we rolled it up in the cheese slices. That has become my new favourite food, especially since being carnivore. Um, and while I was on holiday, I'm um, so I I do the I buy slices of gouda or edam. I butter them because I want a bit more fat, and then I add the mince meat, which is salted, and I roll it up. When I was on holiday, I added another little treat, which is cream cheese. So I forgot the layer of cheese, a layer of butter, a layer of cream cheese, and then the mince meat. Roll that up, and that is my new favorite food. So if you want to find the show notes, you can go to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 146. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>